and he got another swab and he collected some of the blood and he was showing me on the uh, on the Q-tip there or the buccal swab, the blood on the tip, like how much to get. And as he's showing me this big ass drop, a sweat comes off his nose and lands right on the Q-tip. Now, obviously that DNA is no longer usable. <laughs> and he told me, all right, well, this is how you don't do it. But if, <laughs> if there was just a small amount of DNA and something like that occurred, they'd be in, they'd be in big trouble. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So those things are possible. Those things happen. Do, uh, I've seen them happen. Do you think the taco of DNA was coming off of that unspent round? I mean, that you would was, think so. Yeah, like, you think it's, it was so little amount that once they tested it out, and they didn't, maybe it came in inconclusive, and now they can't use it anymore because it's such a small amount? I don't know. I mean, I thought there was going to be a small amount in Brian Koberger's case, but apparently the amount um, could be very, very small, down to a couple of cells. And the R and STR is, I think, replicate or something like that, which means um, they create copies and multiple copies. They can turn one small sample into a huge sample. And so I don't know. I don't know. I, I honestly don't think that there's the possibility that DNA was found, but that that DNA was corrupted mm -hmm. or that DNA couldn't be entered because maybe it was too much of a mixture of too many different persons. I'm not sure, but um, or maybe there was a, an issue with the evidence, the chain of evidence, and they can't use it against them. So since they can't use it against them, that we're not going to see it. Yeah. Now, the one question that I think about the Cobra case when it comes to this type of evidence is a knife, the wounds. But sometimes, you know, there's other cases where if the knife breaks or, like, pieces of shavings when you're sharpening your knife, you know, somehow get in, in the wound and they pick it up. And then they can even test it all the way back to see where it was manufactured. That's how, that's how far back some of these tests can go. So I wonder if any of that. Is any in both of the cases? You would hope so. You you would hope that they would take the metal fragments because when knife hits bone, it will it will deform the knife. It might be microscopically, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying, but there's going to be evidence of that. So when you go in and um, or you, you, when an autopsy is performed, if the knife hit bone, they're going to try to um, pull metal fragment out of that, see if anything broke, stuff like that. And if anything is left behind, then they can go back and uh, check to see where that thing was manufactured at. But if you guys recall, we had a um, forensic death investigator on our channel who had stated that when it comes to knife wounds, uh, they can be different because of that bone situation, right? Um, where if a knife hits a bone, it can manipulate the blade. And so a, a wound, that wound going into that person is going to look different than the next wound because of the blade uh, being uh, deformed now. And so those wounds aren't going to match. 
Yeah. You know, going going back to Richard Allen, um, I think the best bet will be, you know, change of venue and then reinstating his lawyers, you know. I think that would be the best thing to do, considering that that way, you know, we don't have to, well, especially for the family of the victims, they, have, they don't have to wait until a year from now mm-hmm. to start. You know, by that time, they'll probably, you know, we already had a verdict and everything. It's, Get some closure, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Tom M and comes in with a two dollar super chat says, I think BK came in for one person and it escalated. Thank you for your two dollar super chat, it's quite possible. Um, we're gonna talk about that, we're gonna talk about his defense and and much more. In fact, that's a pretty good transition point right here. Um leaving Delphi, which one final thing on Delphi is if they don't do this, if they force these new attorneys, which apparently one of them had some questionable statements about Richard Allen prior to him being appointed um, and about how strong this case is against him and which wasn't in Richard Allen's favor, which can be a bit of a concern. You know, you're going to give the attorney that already has doubt in this guy. And then the other one, apparently, um, is Facebook friends with the judge. So those things are looking kind of weird. I don't see the Facebook friend thing being a big ordeal. I've seen prosecutors and defense attorneys and judges all be friends on, on social media. I don't think it's a big deal. What do you guys think? This is like like the like conflict of interest or something like that. Nah, man. Like many times that they're they're good friends and stuff like that. The difference is they have to you know, work for the best of the benefit of their client. You know, it's kind of like, like real estate, you know, in real estate, you have a buyer realtor and a seller realtor, right? And the, those two people can know each other, they can be friends or whatever, but when it comes down to representation of their client or, you know, talking about their deal by law and, and, and legally, mm-hmm. they have to, um, it's called fiduciary. They have to basically um, be at their, you know, they have to do everything in the best of the interests of their client and not for themselves or anybody else. And if they found out to be violating that, they can lose their license. And it's the yeah. same thing there where, you know, they can be friends and they can talk to each other. And in most cases they do, especially in a smaller town. That's what like I was about this. to say. Like this, Even if they're coming from a, a surrounding town, I'm pretty sure they're, everybody's going to know each other. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's a small town as it is, Delphi. Yeah, and yeah. I'm pretty sure they see each other on a daily basis against each other when court cases, mm-hmm. you know, or they get put on the same, you know, team. Sometimes they work as teams when they were in the lawyer field. So, yeah. And most judges, it kind of depends on the, like in Texas, like Justice of the Peace, JPs, they, they don't have to be attorneys. But certain ju- certain judges and more of the, the higher up ones, my, I could be wrong. I, I'm not an attorney, never was. But I believe the majority of them were like prior lawyers at one point. You know what I mean? And so it's a good possibility given the size of the place that they may have even worked at the same firm or something like that and have been friends prior to this. Yeah. But you can be friends with somebody and still do business. You know what I mean? Yeah, I but, think... Um, 
I think they all like hang out and they they watch the drunk turkey show. That's what I'm I saying. hope so. Yeah, I man. hope so. Cool. They can't be friends with a juror. Yeah, that's true. Terry Blue says they can't be friends with a juror. I agree. That you probably can't be. I think that would be a conflict of uh, uh that would be a conflict there. Big Blue is my name visible. Five dollars super chat. Big Blue, what, what's her name? Say it out for for everybody. It's Lona Pear. That's not Lona. So that's I, an I. That's an I. Oh, my bad. Iona Pear. Are you sure? That's <laughs> not what I heard. <laughs> I thought it was Lona Pear too at first, and, the, and then I was told uh, it was an I. But, I butter think, sausage. I think it was done on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, a five dollars super chat says, "I think they should have discovery uh, of the level of their relationship. If there is evidence that they have outside relations, it deem them a conflict." I mean, for the lawyers and, and the judge, I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, when you go into, all right, you know, I recommend you guys to try this. Contact an attorney from a different city, right? Call an attorney from a different city and ask oh, them sir. if they'll represent you and tell them you'll, you'll, you'll pay for their travel or whatnot. Most of the time, the attorney is going to tell you no. Not because they don't want their money or your money. And unless it's like a high priority, high profile crime, they're going to tell you it's way better for you to go with a local attorney because they know the courts, they know the judges, they know the prosecutors, they know the defense persons and, and everybody involved. And it's better for you to go with somebody local than somebody out because they don't have that favor. It is what it is. There's nothing wrong with those type of relationships amongst um, you know, attorneys and judges or whatever, as long as it doesn't conflict with their judgment and or their profession. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember one time I got a speeding ticket and this is when you were a cop, right? And I was like, oh, maybe, you know, I got stopped for speeding and I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm going to throw Danny's name out there see what's up. And I did and he gave me another ticket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was one thing I, I I thought I had told everybody. If if you get pulled over and you want me to do something about <laughs> it, don't throw my name out there. Just I, I just, got two tickets. Just take it. Yeah, just take it like a man, and then and then let me know later, and I'll see what I can do. But if you throw out a name um, that's considered very disrespectful, in fact, when it would happen to me, like somebody would say, "Hey, you know, I know, I know Big Blue," I'd be like. Oh, yeah, I know that guy, too. I don't like him. <laughs> and I would give him a ticket. But, I mean, they're not lying. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoever it was, and um, including including the chief, somebody said, yeah, you know, I know the chief of police. It's like, oh, I do, too. <laughs> I don't give a crap, dude. Like, that makes a difference. Or you, you know, folks that do that end up with, with more citations than if not. You know, if you have a friend or family member and you want to get a hookup, it's probably best not to say anything to the officer. Just tell your friend or your buddy and and, you know, maybe perhaps they'll be able to do something about it. You, you, um, you know, ever ever since I turned 18, I only got one ticket and that was because I was driving my cousin's car 
and his window tint was like super dark and i got a ticket for it now like, what the hell like damn it like he, dude he just let me the car so i can go to work because my car's broken down so it kind of sucked right and i was like all right whatever so i went and i talked to the judge and the guy the, the judge was like you know what that sounds legit i'll just take it out i'll just take it off i was like, all right cool i, was, yeah, I, I think gotta, i don't have to pay the court fee and that's it you know i got a question for you Hyman. that that citation you had gotten um, was it from a motorcycle cop? I think it was, right? Wait, wait. The one with the tint? The, the, the ticket that they gave you, that you threw out my name in. Oh, I was just playing with... No, I didn't get the ticket. <laughs> I was playing with you. But that, I'm pretty sure that would be the case, though, man. If they, if no, because it's, it's, it's happened before to people that I know. But they throw yeah. out my name and got a citation. And it's usually from a motorcycle cop. They don't give a crap. <laughs> they're the yeah, traffic those, division they'll, yeah, they'll are, be like oh yeah Google, man. like I, I think I knew one traffic cop that gave a citation to his like aunt or something or his mom it was it was pretty controversial it was like damn so you gotta know you gotta know who you're talking to too you know what I'm saying but um, let's transition so there's been there's a well there's a couple of things that are coming out in the Brian Koberger case uh, first things first, we'll read this article. It says Idaho murder suspect Brian Koberger could claim in his trial that uh, homes where four students were murdered was a party house, which would explain why his DNA was found there. Basically saying that, um, alluding that his defense is going to be he's been there before. Mm-hmm. He's been there at a party house. But didn't his defense team say there, there was no was connection? connection. Yeah. So it's so, like, so pick one. Right. Yeah. You can't have your cake and eat it too, right? Yeah, man. Damn. It's like, you got to pick one. Go ahead. Route A or Route B, man. All right. What do you think, Big Blue? Do you think that he can say, you know, I didn't know them. I never talked to them. There's no connection between us. Yet I've been in their house for a party. I mean, it can happen. It is college town, and you get invited by some person at the bar, some person at the store, hey, a party down the street. I've done it before. I've gone to strangers' parties. You know, that is uh, the weirdest thing ever. Yeah, I, I know, mean, I, I, it's happened. But, but for him to say that, uh, what is where would he pick up that nice sheet from? Is the question. If he went to a party, because that's what he supposedly might have touched if he was there right if that's what he's saying well no i mean i guess the theory could be that um he touched the counter you know on the one day he doesn't wear his latex glove he he touches the counter and um when the uh, the real killer came in the knife sheath grazed against that counter and picked up his dna it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage 
all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, out of everybody else. Yeah, man. I don't know, man. I don't know. Even if even if that was the case, I mean, there was just a random sheath in this house? Well, no, the, the killer left it there, but mm-hmm. did, is it possible that the killer came in contact? Let's just say he had the sheath in his hand and mm-hmm. Koberger, um, you know, went to the bathroom and he put his hand, uh, you know, on a wall there somewhere. Um, he was drinking. He put his hand on the wall to keep him from falling. So, yeah. you know, the killer is walking up. He has a sheath in his hand and he rubs against the same part of the wall transferring his dna from the wall onto his person and somehow that gets onto the sheath before it's left behind so you know what you know what that is right that's uh, unlikely uh very unlikely and if it did happen he's the most unluckiest person ever that's that would be the case well i mean the luck the unluckiness just goes further because what are the chances that He's also just going to drive a vehicle that matches the description mm-hmm. of the vehicle that was driving around that night. And, and he just so happened to be out and about cruising by himself with his phone off during the time of the murders. And, um, you know, it's just a complete, that's, that's pretty unlucky. And so. There's no one. On, that, that, I, I thought I was, I was unlucky, but apparently not. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not possible, but I don't think it's possible. Uh, Big Blue, what are your thoughts on the DNA? Have you ever left DNA in a house that you had no reason being in? And it's like, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know I what kind of DNA he's leaving behind. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about, <laughs> uh, you know, oh, there's beer in the fridge, so I grab the the hand on the fridge, you know, get a beer, you know, that kind of happened. DNA probably behind. Dude, um, there was this officer that worked with us one time, and there was a, a call for an alarm that went off at a residence. And so officers show up, and this guy um, walks in uh, to the house because it had a uh, open back door. And apparently, he, he clears the house. He then goes to the fridge. He eats an apple, right? Eats an apple there. And unfortunately for him, there was cameras inside the house that caught him eating the apple. And then he proceeds to to go to the bathroom in this house and clog up the toilet. Um, he he then left and he got in trouble for it. Now, I'll, I'll be honest. This guy was he, he was funny. He was a great dude. He was um, very intelligent. He had a master's degree. People were like, what are you doing? You know, the police department with a master's degree. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he his goal was to go up the chain, you know, federally. And he was using the police department as a stepping stone, which most officers do, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, he didn't get fired or anything like that. But I thought that was just crazy. Big Blue, is that something that you think that you may have been guilty of doing in your past? No, I, I, I make sure flushes don't leave no evidence behind. But... <laughs> No, I'll I tell you when. 
I'll tell you one crazy story when I was younger. There's one time we were eating at a Taco Bell, right? We were just having some fun, and this random car, I was like, I mean, we were in high school, high schoolers drive by, and they're like, hey, we're throwing a party over here at this farmhouse. Just follow us, right? And it was a rainy day. So we're going through all these back streets to this house. And like I said, man, it was a crazy house party that somebody was throwing. And I always felt bad for that guy because, of course, half the people that were there were not invited. You know, everybody invited people, whoever, whoever they saw, I guess. So there's cases of beer, liquor, everything, you know. So we had a bottle of Jack in the car already because we were going to go drink somewhere else. And I was drinking some some beer from an ice chest, and then they had a bonfire, right? And this was in Wisconsin, okay? So they had a big old bonfire outside because it was getting kind of cold. And then all of a sudden, you see a, a recliner in the bonfire. It's like, huh, where'd that recliner come from? It looks fairly new. And then this guy is all drunk. He sits on the recliner, right, while he's catching on fire. And he starts screaming because the flames start reaching his legs, right? So... So he jumps off of it. The whole recliner just engulfs in flames. And then you see some other two guys, like, couch surfing. You know, you, they stand on the couch while other people hold the couch. Mm-hmm. And then he threw the couch in the pool. Well, those were not old couches. So somebody took them from the living room. And <laughs> to say the party ended after that. They kicked everybody Damn. out. So there was a couch in the pool and a... Brand new recliner in the fire, man. So, you, you know what I learned out of that entire story, Big Blue, oh, is that? that you would have been easily kidnappable. <laughs> like, like, just you're in a you're in a drive through line, and they're like, "Hey, follow us. We got we got gifts and presents and beer." And you're like, "Yes, hey, we had beer too, and, 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 and butter and, sausage, and it, and." It, <laughs> I, and my buddy was driving okay, and he got enticed because it was like, like four young ladies. Okay, so he's like, "We're going where they're going." I said, "I was like, four was all right. Well, here's going to a party. Let's go." You see, initially it didn't sound like it was four young ladies. It sounded like a dude, like maybe in a van. Maybe there's <laughs> two persons there. Uh, I, I, I have a strong suspicion one of them was eating a banana. Like <laughs> it, it, it doesn't, you know. It's not a it's not a pretty picture there, Blue. I should have started with uh, it was four young ladies and you know we were all in high school. <laughs> it was a cool party though, I, and I, I laughed because I always remember that guy sitting on the couch and his legs like like the fire just go up the couch side and starts burning his legs, and he just starts screaming. But instead of jumping off, he just sits there for a second, mm-hmm. and then he screams more, and then he finally jumps off. I was like, oh my god, this guy's an idiot. But he was probably drunk as hell too. Nobody look at Blue's legs. He's got fire scars. <laughs> uh, man, that's crazy. So, you know, let's go back into this. Um, Brian Koberger. The defense has come out with some wild claims. First, you know, they were saying that prosecution and law enforcement didn't, didn't investigate Brian Koberger's family members. That also came up in the IgG as they could have been suspects in the case. They looked at 1880 court law, and now they're saying that although, and this is possible, not, not I don't know if this is true that the defense is saying this, but it appears that the defense is possibly claiming that 
You know, he'd been there at a party. Um, let me read this a little bit further so we can talk about it. It says here that Idaho murder suspect Brian Koberger could claim his upcoming trial that the home where the four students were killed was a party house to explain why his DNA was found there. The former criminology PhD student is accused of stabbing four University of Idaho students to death in their home off campus uh, on November 13th. Kaylee Goncalves died alongside her best friend, Maddie Mogan, housemates Zana Kernodal and Kernodal's boyfriend, Ethan Chapman. Uh, their lives were taken. He has been held at the Latal County Jail in Moscow, Idaho, since January while awaiting trial, which has been pushed back after he waived a speedy trial. Criminal defense attorney Jack Rice says, Kilberg's defense team could claim that the off-campus property where the murders took place was a wild party house where plenty of students would go. It comes after FBI agents returned to the scene to collect more evidence, taking precise measurements of each room for three-day modeling and that can be presented to the jury when the grisly case eventually goes to trial. Now, here's the thing. Pro-BK um channels the set them free channels are going to read this and say fbi agents return to the scene to collect more evidence and then they're going to stop but this article allows for that to happen because they're trying to create their own drama and suspense in it but this is exactly why people think um, there's so much mistrust and people think that there's so much extra stuff is going on. Yeah. I think it also has to come more to do with the news media and stuff like that. What do you, what do you guys think? Yeah, it's totally like misdirection. Like it's not just the title itself is going to throw you this idea, right? That the rest of the article is going to be like, oh, they're going to look for evidence, this and that. But then the article is telling you, oh, if you read the article, it's going to be like, oh, they went to take measurements. And, yeah, that's you know, the evidence. That's the evidence that you're talking about. But like, if you just go for the by the article, it's gonna throw you a, a whole different direction. Yeah, and, he, and I think it just opens a doorway. Like, if we were one of these um, sensationalistic channels that are gonna say, you know, free Brian Koberg or whatever, I would say, boom, FBI agents return to the scene and collect more evidence. What evidence are they collecting? Could it be that they're trying to plant something? You know, they should have found this a long time ago. You know, those are the things that you would probably be hearing. But in reality, all they're doing is measuring. Now, why would they be measuring? I, I know the answer to that because they're, they're going to try to build replica scales of the crime scenes. Mm-hmm. Because the court case was too short of a time for them to do it the first time since it got extended. They're going to try to build the replica scales in case the house gets turned, uh, you know, tore down. Yeah, exactly. I think that the, the house was said to be remaining uh, until trial, right? But that's when trial was scheduled for October 2nd. You know, is it possible that if, I mean, look at the Richard Allen case. We don't know. Um, at this point, it could be next October was when um, that trial could start. In the Brian Koberger case, as of right now, it's been, you know, suspended indefinitely. There's no trial date. There's no nothing. And it, it has to do with all these motions that the defense is, is rising up and on all these questions that um, the prosecution and um, 
judge are trying to put together, right? Because basically, uh, this is new stuff, the IgG and all that other stuff. It's new to Idaho. It's not new to, um, you know, solving crimes or, or apprehending criminals, but it's new to the uh, state of Idaho. Uh, Tom N comes with a $2 super chat. says, I think Papa Rogers may be a nail in coffin. Um, I don't think so. I mean, Papa Rogers got a lot of things wrong. I don't think Papa Rogers was Koberger or, or anybody involved. Uh, they also came back recently. They had re-logged in, I want to say like a month or two ago. And, and it was proven he's he's nothing. He's not involved. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think I think a lot of things were said. Um, but not, not only by Papa Rogers itself, but like through Reddit, you know, yeah. because they like, even on Reddit a lot there was a lot of things coming out. And from uh, those 30 or 40 things that came out, like maybe one or maybe two were, you know, coming out that it was true. So, like, it's just, right. like, I guess the probability of it being true until, like, from saying, like, a hundred things, you're probably going to get at least one or two of them right. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. And um, I'm going to move some things around so I can. I can see the chat. It's like at the furthest part away from my vision. And so I have to like strain to to see it. So I'm going to move some things around. Yeah, like one thing I want to say, Reddit's not that credible. I mean, look, it, it said the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl last year. And look what happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's never credible. <laughs> it hasn't been credible since the 90s, the early 90s. Yeah. So, um. But let's talk about this case. Let's let's let's, let's open up the discussion. Um, Brian Koberger is claiming that he may or there's arguments there. What other argument is there for his DNA being there that you guys can think of that is logical, that makes sense, and also ties into the fact that he was driving around that night. You know, mm -hmm. also like he left his DNA on something, and well, let's just go one step at a time. What what is a logical explanation as far as why his DNA would be on there? Well, I mean, obviously because of the <laughs> party calls, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, obviously because of that, he could have easily been like, oh, I went to a party there once and this this and that. But even if the touch DNA would be on the button, I would, I would think it would be on the outside of the button, not the inside of it, right? Right. I mean, it's harder to get DNA underneath that button, especially if it's clipped on. I would expect it to be on the outside or on the sheet itself. Maybe. I but, mean, it depends. Like, if he if he did handle it, don't you think the inside of the button would be the hardest part to clean as well? Yeah, but the, uh, even if that's the case, they already have said that he has no connection to them. Right, but... Even if he went I mean, for, for a party, like he's much, much older. He would have stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah, that, that's the other thing as well. Like nobody remembers him. You know, Jack DeCord doesn't remember seeing him at any parties. Mm -hmm. That was one question that I asked um, Christy Gonsalves was, you know, had they seen him before? Has Jack seen him? Had, you know, Hunter Johnson seen him? Had any of these individuals who are who have been at that house, who were there um, the night before? They were there when the girls weren't there, like Hunter Johnson. 
you know, have y'all ever seen him? They're like, no. And that they said the same thing. He, he, he sticks out compared to who has been at those parties. You know, he's one, he's taller and he's a bigger guy and, and he's much older than what, you know, the people that were at these parties, he's what, 28 years old. And majority, yeah. I, th- I think, I think half of the persons that were residing at that house, um, you know, weren't even able to dr- drink alcohol. They were under 21. Yeah, so, minors. Yeah, I, I do think, I mean, you know, Jaime, have you ever been to a teen party when you were in your late 20s, early 30s? I just left one. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I remember, I remember I got invited to a, to a, party right by my sister yeah. my sister's um she's eight years younger than me yeah. right so i went and i'm like you're like you want to go we're gonna go a couple of friends i was like all right i had nothing to do i was single I was like all right whatever I'll go. i showed up and i was like whoa man they that's not where i should be at so <laughs> anyways yeah. the, like the police got there right the police yeah. got there and it was like i was sitting there and they were, I was watching, you know, there were the guys playing pool or whatever. I was going to play pool or whatever. And then all of a sudden, you just see it. Boom. Everybody just take off. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh, okay. So I just walked. I walked through the front door, and I see all the all the cops and everything. And I'm like, oh, we don't have nothing. I don't have to run. I'm not, of, I'm not underage or anything. So I just walked in my car, and I took off. <laughs> I even told the, the cops, like, hey, can you move your car? And it's like, I'm, like, you're blocking me. I can't get out. Terry Blue comes in with a $4.99 super chat. Murphy was taken to the animal shelter. Why? I, I, I'm not aware of that, but I would assume because the dog belonged to Kaylee and Jack Decor. If Jack Decor was at the police station being interviewed, very quickly, which is what I've been told. Um, and obviously Kaylee was no longer with, with us, then where would you take the dog? Obviously to the animal shelter, you would call animal control and it's not nefarious. Uh, what if some other family adopted the dog before there's a hold on the dogs before you can, um, adopt them out. So just because a dog comes in, into the animal shelter doesn't mean that that moment they can be adopted out. There's an entire process and you have to give the, the, the original owners an opportunity to come claim the dog as well. Um, allegedly yeah. he cut what? Oh. I'm sorry. I don't understand that one, Tara. Uh, um, you might have to explain that one a little bit because I'm not sure that's not making a lot of sense. I say normally that the dogs chip, they'll get the donors and the owner's information and they'll call pretty quick. Yeah. Maybe the same right Brian Goldberger got them the dog by accident, but no, she said the she meant she meant the the keyboard. The knife, no? That's what she they use to cut drugs with it. Maybe, but or are they using the dog to cut drugs? Oh my god! That's what I. That's what I said. That's what I said. I hope, not, I hope that's not the. I hope that's not the case. Um, hold on one second. So yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what what 
sorry, Tara. I didn't I didn't understand that. Yes, Blue. What did I you say? Maybe, I said maybe with a knife when during the attack. Ah. Gotcha. You know, the, the only thing about the, the the drug theory, right? So there's a theory out there that there's some drugs involved. And, you know, we've heard, you know, that perhaps drugs were used at that house at certain points. Uh, but nothing like to the point where people are thinking that there's some sort of drug angle and these people's lives need to be taken out. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. The reason being is Kaylee... Maddie, Ethan, Zana, Bethany, and Dylan, and Jack DePore, and Hunter Johnson, um, their phones were forensically downloaded and went through by police. That means they found everything in there. Don't you think there would be some sort of evidence there that would point back to this being the case? Now, I've asked a lot of folks why... Why Brian Koberger, if, if, if this is a situation where, you know, they, they needed to frame somebody, why, why him? And what I've always heard was, well, they needed a fall guy. They needed somebody um, to arrest him. And that's so, my fall guy. Yeah. I, 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 I went to prison. Well, luckily it wasn't more something more private, Blue, because everybody knows now that you're <laughs> jumping off at 905. Yeah, I gotta go to work tonight, guys. So. <laughs> in the wrong chat. That's that I'm not even drinking tonight. Dang it. Yeah, get over yeah. blue. Imagine so, if you imagine if you said something more private. The ad news, yeah. Make sure you're in the right one. Uh, Tom comes in with a five dollar super chat. The mention of the button and his DNA puts him as the perp that opened the sheet that contained the blade that can't be explained as other DNA can. I agree. That the the DNA puts him in touch with the uh, the sheath, and yeah, it's hard to explain. Trust me, I'm I don't think this guy is innocent. Um, but back to what I was saying, uh, what would be the reason to frame him? And what I keep hearing is, well, he's a fall guy. He's a fall guy, and that tells me that all right, if 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 the purpose was to just arrest anybody because the university of Idaho was applying pressure to the local police department, which is weird because that doesn't apply to the FBI. Like they don't give a damn about the university of Idaho and their money. You know what I'm saying? So, um, if that were the case, do you think that had they had the right, I'm going to put that in quotation marks, the right killer that they would have arrested him and, you know, and the reason why they they didn't is because they couldn't find him. And now they have this patsy. Right. Well, if, if that's the case, why would they not arrest the possible drug dealer that was involved in this case? Because I think there would be evidence there from the phones, you know, talking about drugs. I mean, from way before there was ever an in- incident, there would be, you know, conversations and deals. Yeah, they didn't link anything to 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 that person, and that right. person probably has an alibi, you know. Exactly, um, and then and then you have the December thirteenth uh, death of Brent Kopaka, who, by you know, according to the police, he was threatening his roommates, and um, you know, SWAT went in there and, and took his life. If they were going to just have anybody to throw this case on, why not throw it on that person? All right. So 
this drug at angle just doesn't make any sense. Doesn't hold water at all. There are so many holes in it that um, you're right. You can't hold water in it. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And plus, Christy Gonzalez came out and stated that the uh, toxology reports were released to her and victims came back clean. No drugs. So, I mean, I just I don't think that there would be any there, there would be evidence of this drug angle, you know. Yeah. yeah, there's no way they can get rid of all the, you know, text messages, pictures of. No, yeah. whatever else is under. Mm-hmm. And the other thing so, is, like, if it was a distributing house or distributing, you know, because people say it's a trap house, and trap house sometimes they they are considered like where they manufacture certain things. It would have been, you know, DEA would have been out there. It would have been condemned. I mean, it is condemned right now because of the the murder scene, but. They wouldn't allow anybody in there, you know, and they would have to specify like biohazard and all that stuff in the in the listings and everything. So I don't think it was anything of that involvement. Right. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, there wasn't a party that night from what I understand. I think the party was the night before. But um yeah, I just I just think that there would be evidence there pointing in that direction. Like, and, and it's not that hard to follow, right? You know, you look at bank statements, you'll look at, you know, the surveillance camera from the next door neighbor's house. They're going to catch more than just a killer driving around. You're probably going to catch other vehicles going in there, you you know, all hours of the night, not just that night. You know, there's going to be evidence there that's going to point to this house being, you know, what you guys are assuming that it is. And so... You know, just based off that, just just thinking about it logically and saying, all right, you know, if this was a drug house, there had to be some sort of communication. And why go to this point to knife four persons? Right. Was it because there was the theory that Kaylee was moving and going to Texas and because she was leaving that they were going to do this solely because they were leaving? There's been a lot of turnover in that house. Tremendous amount of turn. There's people leaving there all the freaking time. You know what I mean? So none of those theories hold water, in my opinion. Um, They're just, you know, if this was a a movie series or a TV series of some kind, you know, we can entertain those type of things. But but it's not. It's it's real life. You know, these four people lost their lives. And, you know, there's evidence that says that. You know, they may have gotten the right guy. We don't know yet. We can't put him to death or any of those things. Yeah, this when trial comes. There's way, way too many coincidences for it not to mm-hmm. be the person that's in custody. Yeah. Way too many. So Mama says, Mama Five says, they're just seem too personal. So all right, let's go down the personal avenue. Somebody committed this crime. If it wasn't Brian Koberger, they committed this crime without leaving any DNA behind. You know, personal crimes or crimes of passion, that's typically not what happens. You know, they're pretty sloppy. Um, There's no planning involved. There's no premeditation. Exactly. So to go in there and kill four people without pre-planning it and not leaving DNA or anything behind doesn't seem very logical or reasonable to me. 
Now, if you add anger, you add alcohol, even if it was, for instance, the the other one, it was somebody from Sigma Chi. They, they got in a fight with Ethan at the party while they were drinking. Somebody drunk, you know, and a few people drunk, upset at a fight. The logic of them going into a house without leaving any DNA behind, it's unreasonable. Now you have somebody who took courses in forensics, who knows how not to leave DNA behind, who knows how not to take DNA with him from a crime scene because of those forensic classes. Now, I know that just basic police officers get a forensic course in that. And I would assume, I don't know, I've never taken the, uh, the master's course for criminal justice, um, but I've never taken, you know, and I've not taken the PhD program, but I'm pretty positive that they have a forensic class. In fact, I found it on YouTube where they're talking about it and they're showing uh, individuals that attend this, the sales university criminal justice class on forensics that shows them wearing, you know, the type of equipment that would help prevent having DNA or evidence being, you know, left with you and you leaving your own personal DNA behind, you know, somebody who is extremely intelligent. I mean, you look at, um, some of the things that were done. We found a, a, a Chief Fry interview, or not interview, it was a, um, what was it, a conference where he said that the rear glass door was open the entire time. I've talked to with a couple of people who know some things and they believe that the rear glass door open was left open the entire time as well. It's suspected that the reason why it was done that way is because if the killer opened the door, then closed it, well, he's touching it twice. And then when he leaves, he has to open it. And, you know, if he leaves it open, that's one thing. But if he closes it, then that's another two times. So if he opens it and leaves it open, he only touches it once, thus only having one, uh, lowering the plausibility of him leaving DNA behind. That's something well thought out and planned. You look at the vehicle uh, based on his, you know, his phone being turned on at 448. And you see the travel that he goes to get into Pullman. He does that, in my opinion, because that takes over an hour and some odd minutes for him to get from Moscow to Pullman. You know, if police looked at this case and they said, all right, we have a white Elantra on camera. Because he must have known that he was going to get caught on camera. Um, that they were going to be looking for a four-door sedan. So what, what, what would you do? Do you go straight to Pullman? And give yourself off, give yourself up, because um, if they go and look at the Pullman, you know, uh, cameras and of highways coming into Pullman, and there's a white sedan coming in at at four forty eight, four fifty, five o'clock, that's going to look a little bit suspicious, right? So he takes this long ass route, so that way when officers look at the cameras, he's not there. That's well thought out. That's well planned. I mean, everything about this is thought out and well-planned. That's why there's no DNA left behind. So, I mean, we can think about who it is and we can claim that it's fraternity folks or all this other stuff, but it, it doesn't it doesn't fit the bill, in my opinion. What do you think, Jaime? Yeah, no, I think this is a lone wolf kind of deal. Um, like I said before, having, having more people involved with, you know, there's a risk of getting caught a lot faster even though it didn't take long to catch him 
He could have got a. You know, he had a better chance of getting away with it if it if it was just by himself. In other words. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. And you know, for the last question that we'll answer for the night, uh, Angel D says, "Mama Five would like to ask why the hell he used his own car." Well, we've answered this a couple of times, but you know, for me, it's all right. Why would you use somebody else's car? How is that a better idea than using your own car? You know, one, where would you get the other car from? Are, are you stealing it? So if, if you're stealing this car, now you got to get away with two crimes, the theft of the vehicle and the murders. Are you borrowing it? All right. Where's um, Brian Koberger from? He's from Pennsylvania. He's new to the area. Why is he there? He's a criminology student in the PhD program. So who are the people that you would expect him to be in conversations with or be dealing with? Probably students from the university of, um, or from WSU mm-hmm. and, and other students, right? So he's only been there since August, honestly, or June, honestly, or July. Honestly, do you think that, you know, he's going to borrow a car from one of his buddies in hopes that they're not going to, realized that there was a quadruple homicide the night that he borrowed the vehicle and that that vehicle was seen on camera. Right. Because if Brian Koberger is going to borrow the car, that's one thing he has to think about. All right. So that doesn't seem logical. And plus, if it's somebody that's a friend of his, they're probably in the criminal justice program as well, or somebody that's close to him. Uh, I don't know if they would be willing to not follow the laws or the rules, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and cover up for Koberger. And then you have uh, maybe rent the vehicle. Well, I'm fairly positive that leaves a paper trail. You know, if you go rent the vehicle, even if you were to go test drive a car and and take it home for the night, you know, Mm -hmm. some people do that. So all that together, all that together, um, I don't think it's a smart idea to take somebody else's car. I don't think that I don't understand where that theory came from. Mm -hmm. Um, But whoever said that, Please go commit your crimes that way so you can get busted very quickly. Yeah, I mean, look, look at it this way. He planned, this person apparently planned this whole thing out, and then you're going to go borrow a car and have a loose end? You know what I mean? That's like the, the, the crappiest planning out ever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, like, uh, there's there's also a, someone said that the bus, but I think bus tra- transportation has um, cameras inside of them, right? Yeah, well, how are you gonna get home? You're gonna yeah. ride the bus back all full of blood. Yeah, and like if it's like you said, if you if you stole a car, he would actually. Why would he steal the same car as his car? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like. And, and obviously, I mean, if you stole the vehicle, you probably aren't stealing the same vehicle as your own. Um, but, you know, even if you stole a vehicle, you, you have to get away with that. Uh, Tom N comes with a $2 super chat, says a white car can't be mistaken as other colors. Uh, I can agree with that. I mean, dark colors, blue, greens and stuff like that are going to appear dark on black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cameras, white will appear very white. But if you had like silver or yellow it doesn't appear as bright white as just white on, on surveillance cameras. So that is true. And Mama says, but he'd know all that, wouldn't he? But there's no such thing as a perfect crime at the end of the day. There really isn't. And 
although he's smart and although he's trained and he knows things, he, he's not a, a robot. He's not a God. He's human. He can make mistakes. And if you go and you look at the, the Linda Lane footage and the probable cause affidavit, you put those two together, take out the audio, the audio is bull crap. That's all added shit. But if you just watch, you know, what's going on, you'll see that at 405, after the DoorDash is collected. So I'm assuming there's probably some indicator there for the DoorDasher there. And once that DoorDasher left, that indicator turned off, whether it be a light or something. But at 4.05, the vehicle starts to act very weird. You know, it had been driving around the apartment complex uh, without any interruptions. And at that point, it does a weird turnaround at 502 Queen Road. It goes and tries to stop or park or do another turnaround in front of the victim's house. And then it continues to go on, does a three-point turn at the King Queen residence, and then comes back all the way around. Driving are erratic. There is a difference between planning a crime and then executing it. You can plan something. You can um, prepare for it all you want. But when, it, when, when it's time to actually do it, those, those are the times where mistakes are probably going to be made. You know, mm -hmm. setting up his car so that way he wouldn't get DNA in there or out or, or cleaning it afterwards aren't part of, of of the crime during the commission of it. You know, that's pre and post crime. Mm -hmm. So the criminal is most stressed or under most stress and duress during the um, during the time that the crime is being committed, which is why it's logical and reasonable for mistakes to happen. If he's making the mistakes out, you know, with this vehicle and we find out that a, a sheath is left behind, those are some pretty big mistakes left for yeah. anybody. Right. I mean, look at it like the like serial killers have been doing it for like 30 years. I mean, these guys are still committing um, the crimes and still making mistakes. Even and you would think they will make the least amount of mistakes, but they, they're doing them. And that's how they get caught because they get cocky. Right. And memory, it's not just because of his education. It's that's part of the means. You have means, opportunity and motive. And the motive right now is a bit of a question. Right. I think the motive was because he was having a bunch of problems. Right. He had gotten fired while he was in DeSales University as a uh, security officer. He was forced to resign or he was going to be terminated from that job. He was um, not accepted as the Pullman internship at the Pullman Police Department uh, twice. He was going to be fired as a teacher's assistant. He had um, documented reported incidences with females, PhD students, uh, to the point where other PhD students were so concerned about his behavior, they began to document his, his disturbing behavior leading up to the murders. I mean, there's more to it than just it's because of his education. It, it, there's more to it. I'm just saying that you have the means like the 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 ability to create to commit this crime a drunk college kid or a drug out addict or a drug dealer in my opinion don't fit the means of committing the perfect crime in the heat of passion or anger because those things don't happen ever if i had a mic i'd drop it i'm do you have any final words for everybody before we let everybody go um, my back hurts. <laughs> oh, and I was yeah. just gonna say, like every time I um, like I stop the camera, it's because I'm stretching my back, man. It's gonna 
this angle where I'm sitting that is kind of just messing with me. Yeah. But it is what it is, and I'm getting old, and everything hurts now. Yeah. Baby Asper. Yeah. <laughs> Baby Asper for the win. Lurking around, I have not seen that movie, but I would recommend Mr. Brooks if you want to watch a movie that might kind of give you an idea of maybe of what I see or think of. So but thank you guys. No, no, no. It's with uh, Kevin Costner. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and oh, man, what was that actor's name? He was a comedian. I can't remember. Dan Cook. I think that's who it is. Dan Cook? could be wrong. Yeah, that dude. I don't think that's uh, right, but okay. Yeah, Mr. Brooks. Go look it up. It's good. It's a good movie. I like it. All right, y'all. We'll see you guys next time. Peace out.